0: Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the full 10 yards podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all game! Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the full 10 yards podcast. To the 10, right
1: to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah.
0: Yes, welcome in, everyone. This is the full 10 yards NFL podcast. Had a couple of weeks hiatus, but we are back behind the mics and the usual gang here for your listening pleasure. We have myself, I'm Kitty Lamb at Monk. You can get me on Twitter at Tim underscore Monk F10 Y. Joined by the two, we are the three amigos with you here today. First up, Sean, uh, it's, been, it's been a while since we've spoken. How are you doing, buddy? you okay?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, mate. It's been a strange old couple of weeks, if I'm being honest. Um, never heard the word furlough until a couple of months ago. Now I'm sick of hearing the word furlough. Um yeah. On the hunt for a new job for the first time in 11 years, but uh, potentially some positive news on that front. I've potentially been headhunted, thanks to me updating my LinkedIn profile. So yeah, fingers lovely. crossed, mate, onwards and upwards and all of that. So main thing is, mate, fit and healthy, so can't complain, and the family's all good. So, you know, certainly in a lot better position than others, so can't complain. Mm-hmm.
0: Lovely. Like, great to hear. Great to hear, Lawrence. Obviously, you've been working particularly hard uh, over the last couple of weeks. How are you on that, buddy?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Apart from the fact I've had to pull a double Joe Wicks as a me. meeting Wednesday morning, yeah. nine o'clock. Um, she happened to have another one um, today. So I've had to do a double Joe Wicks session and it's not even Friday. So, oh you know, get, get the world's tiniest violin out for me. <laughs> um, apart, apart from that, it's been, um, yeah, it's been kind of long days um, at work because everyone's kind of been working very differently. Everything's kind of, you know, I'm spending all my day on Microsoft Teams now. Um, And, you know, my, my light relief has been various drafts of huge teams. So I run leagues with 55 player rosters or 50 player rosters. And I've got a team in a modern league. I've got a team in a 1980s league. We're starting from 1980. And I've also got a team from the 60s as well. So, learning as I go along, and hopefully, I'll impart some retro wisdom as we go along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Been enjoying some of the stuff that has been going out there. We'll plug that in just a little bit Uh, since the last time we spoke. uh, Couple of things from from my end managed to win one of those, uh, Claire de Bears um giveaways, which was um unexpected I, I suppose. I've given I've given that uh, Minnesota Vikings package to a Minnesota Vikings fan, so I haven't posted it yet but he'll he'll enjoy that. Uh, and also learned what I, what bird a sparrow was. So yeah, keep on every day's a learning day, isn't it? Uh yeah, so I learned what a sparrow was. Let us know what you've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, you can get in contact with us at Full 10 Yards on that Twitter. But the purpose of today's pod, we are looking at bounce backs. We're going to look at uh, some bounce back candidates for 2020. We're going to pick a, a, a team each that picked within the top 10 of the NFL draft. And we're also going to pick a team uh, that didn't, had a disappointing season uh, last year as well, so we'll let us let us know what you think. Uh, what teams will be bouncing back in twenty twenty? And again, you can do that on Twitter at Full Ten Yards. But before we do that, get a little bit of news uh, to catch up on. That um, obviously a big one, part of one of your articles. Lawrence was uh, the passing of Don Shuler. Um Give give us one one fact about Don Schuler.
2: Okay, I've got I've got a great one for you. Um, he would not. Have become the most prolific coach in NFL history if he hadn't actually told a little white lie as a teenager. So back when you can imagine a, a little a little Don Shuler, probably called Donald, when he was a, a small child playing on his in his local streets, you know, in the in the sand lots and all of this, and he he came home one day with a with a cut below his eye. So his parents said, "You're not playing that rough and tumble sport anymore." Um, so he kind of he went to his he was in his high school and he, he didn't play on the football team and um, you know he was kind of resenting it a little bit and one of the coaches one of the assistant coaches spotted him in in the indoor gym and thought God this 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 guy has got some got some potential we need to sign you so you know the, he went and spoke to to little Don and said look we want you on the on the the football team for our high school and he. Said, but I can't do it, I've, you know, I'm not allowed to. And then he thought about it overnight, faked his parents' signature to give permission to play. And then in 1945, that's when he started playing high school football. And he was actually a running back and a pretty good running back at that. And he, he played running back in college as well. And then when he actually became drafted in the NFL, and you can read more in my article, he became a, a defensive back. So yeah, if it wasn't for a little white lie, you wouldn't have the Don Schuler of today. Mm.
0: Yeah, I so say yeah, I very much recommend everyone go and check out the uh, the fitting tribute. Shall I say to, to Don Schuler? Great article there from uh, Lawrence. Uh, another uh, another bit of news, uh, bit of news coming out, obviously about training camps and clubs uh, and, and teams now starting to open their facilities. And the next time, all the players will see will see each other at, at the clubs' training facilities, which uh, at the NFL and all the different states have kind of uh, starting to allow. Uh, that to be to be allowed um sean obviously you you did an article on important mini camps highlighting some teams that potentially need the training camp or the mini camps more than others um do do we think this is majorly important that the the teams are able to hold their mini camps at their kind of facilities do you know um tell us us a bit more about obviously your article as well
1: yeah, well, I always think it's one of those things that at the time everybody almost dismisses it of, oh, it's not important. You know, these guys all sort of figure out as the season goes along. But everyone seems to forget it is a short season, isn't it? 16 games and you can't really afford to get too far behind the eight ball. Um, you know, particularly if you've got a new coach coming in that's got his own ideas. There's obviously plenty of activity through free agency and obviously the draft where teams are completely overhauling rosters. Um, you know, for me, this is really a very important time of year. Um, It'll be interesting to see which teams actually cope best with it in these sort of current circumstances that we're all finding ourselves in. I um, Highlighted two or three clubs in the in the article. Um, you know, I particularly think it's important for Carolina as a real good example to get the players back in and together. You know, change at quarterback, change at head coach. Leader of the defense has gone. Um, you know, they've got an awful lot of work to do know, um, yeah, ultimately, I know it's almost become a little bit of an obsession among some people now that tanking should become a tactic. And I'm sorry, from, from, a, from a fan who watched a team, not deliberately tank, but tank for two years nonetheless, um, it's really not a nice thing to watch and to witness. So, you know, these clubs really need to do you know, the work in this off-season, get the hard yards put in so they reap the benefits of it when the season kicks off. So... I mean, it's encouraging on a couple of fronts, isn't it? You know, it's it's great that you know we can still sort of look forward with optimism to a season kicking off potentially on time. Um, you know, and it's also probably you know on a on a wider sense, hopefully a case of things getting back towards some kind of normal um, across the world, which obviously is what we're all waiting for and hoping for.
0: Yeah, ten for two years. I think it's slightly slightly longer than that, but we won't, we won't get into that right now. Um, <laughs> obviously, the big news, or I say so the big world news over the last week or so, is obviously the uh, everyone's reacting to uh, George Floyd's death. Um, Worked, you know, players coaches and, and all the rest of them obviously coming out putting their their viewpoints on it uh, Drew Brees obviously getting himself in a bit of hot water I think it's fair to say and uh, Vic Fangio obviously not covering himself in, in too much glory but before I put it to you to you two boys uh, I, all I just want to say is that for me yeah I'm a, I'm a guy that doesn't like um, confrontation I'm a guy that you know I, I pretty much go with one moral throughout my life, and it's, that's just to treat people the way I wish to be treated. And I think if uh, a few more people did that, I think we'd have half the problems in the in the world going away. So um, I think it's nice that seemingly, and I will say seemingly at this point, because we've actually got to see um, some actions still to be taken yet. But I think I think the world uh, in general is quite ready to see a change and see a way, you know, a different way of doing things. Um, yeah. I appreciate that there's still people. There's always going to be people in the world that don't appreciate the moral that say so that I live by, and uh, you know it's all about understanding it at the end of the day. So. But um, I, I still can't comprehend someone waking up in the morning thinking that they're better than someone else, unless your name's Piers Morgan, to be, to be quite honest. But, you know, and it's, and it's not just about the colour of people's skin, it's about, you know, age, it's about sex, it's about disability. It's just not, it's just not on in any aspect of, of any race of life. So um, we'll, we'll be announcing a few things here at the 410 Yards that I'm, I'm thinking uh, we're going to do to kind of help do our bit on the small platform that we have. But, yeah, like I say, hopefully. Yeah, the, the most corners of the world now we're kind of ready to to put things in place and say they're still done yet. So I'll hold my reservations as to whether or not check there's any change for the goods. Uh, one thing I am happy about is I don't really have a TV, so I don't really see uh, things that are yeah, the things that are reported. And you know, I'm I I can't stand the way people manipulate stats and narratives to to fit their 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 politics and their you know, the point that they want to get across and. Um, yeah, but obviously, we. this has all stemmed from George Floyd um, passing away tragically and in yeah, desperate circumstances, to be quite honest. Uh, but Sean, I'll, I'll put it to you first if you want to put anything to it.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, completely agree with everything that you've said there, mate. You know, I don't think anybody um, that's got a conscience can watch that footage and feel anything other than disgust. And, you know, I don't view that as a black man being, you know, essentially murdered, which is, you know, hopefully what the guy rightfully gets charged with now. I just view that as a human being that that's happening to. You know, it's absolutely appalling. There is obviously a problem in America. Um, I know you mentioned about statistics there, so, you know, I bring too many stats into it, but disproportionately, you know, the stats do say that there are more black, African-American guys and, and girls that obviously get all over, that get arrested, that get shot when they're unarmed and all sorts of different statistics. So there is obviously a problem. Putting it into an NFL context, I think the problem that the NFL have got is before this has even become an issue, they've now made it into an issue. Um, The whole taking a knee during the anthem is divisive in its own right, rightly or wrongly. The problem from my perspective is that's not what the protests are about, but some people seem to keep bringing it back to that being the issue. There needs to be a happy medium, I suggest, that a protest can be found that gets the message across, importantly, because if the message is lost, there's no point doing it, but probably takes away that divisiveness of also it being linked to the national anthem, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, I, I can completely see that players aren't disrespecting the flag, but obviously you, you mentioned Drew Brees. Um, he's obviously got a lot of flack in the last 24 hours. Rightly or wrongly, that's his opinion. And I think the problem with society in general these days is you can't really have an opinion that sort of falls somewhere in between both camps. You're either in one camp or another. And that's on most things in life. Um, And unfortunately, you know, these debates do end up being very, very heated and, and, you know, often not very productive, you know. I'll I'll just finish before I pass it over to Lawrence with just saying, you know, I'm all for peaceful protest, I'm all for action being taken, and there needs to be key action. But I don't see what good a load of people gathering in Hyde Park and punching our police officers does to justify changes to policing in America, as an example. And that's where I'll come back to about, you know, these things being very divisive. I think people sometimes just jump on the bandwagon without really knowing what it is they're arguing for. I think any of those idiots in Hyde Park yesterday that were degrading the cenotaph or, or abusing our police officers—they've just done nothing apart from actually make that message more difficult to get across because people look at that and then don't really have the sympathy that the issue rightly deserves. And you know, I hope there is change. You know, and obviously the NFL is predominantly made up of African American black players, so you know, ultimately I hope for their sakes that you know things do. Yeah, really get addressed and there's positive change that he's influenced off the back of it this time.
2: Mm. It's a tough one because I don't want to go too deeply political in a NFL podcast. But it's kind of, it has made me think that I realise now that at the time when I was growing up in, in leafy Surrey, kind of, I didn't realise that I was living a very privileged life not the fact that I lived in a house or had a garden, anything like that. The color of my skin allowed me to live quite a privileged upbringing and all my friends were of the same skin color. So I didn't know any other way. Um, it was only when I moved, um, eventually to to kind of my middle school and there was a few people with, with different color skin and, um, you know, I was part at the time of someone who didn't understand. And I would call people names. And I realize now how horrific it was. I wasn't a bully, I was just part of a, a group of people that didn't understand. Um, now, since then, I've gone to college, I've gone to university, I've got friends with all different ethnicities, all different parts of the world. And I don't try not to see people um, by the color of their skin um and you know i just think that the whole situation is it's something that if we've got to look at this moment in time it's not just about what happened to george floyd and and my thoughts go out to his family and his friends at the moment this is also in context to what's going on with the whole covid situation and lockdown and people's general frustrations about not being able to have a normal life and then obviously the effects on that being economic as well and that turning into people who have lost jobs, who have, you know, lost a lot of their life um, and they're reacting back now. And my, my biggest concern is the fact that we now have people that are gathering together in a time when we're still at the precipice of being able to try and recover from um, a, a disease that has killed countless thousands of people and we've suddenly gathered now if i was somebody that was able to go out and um, protest i would and i totally understand it but i think that there's there's that the real hard thing here at the moment is that divide between going out and wanting to represent and be someone who who has heart and can say that to their children i was out there. When this thing happened in 2020, I went out and marched and I did my bit and I feel that I can live my life because I've, I've contributed to this. But I don't quite know scientifically what that's done now to the, the spread of COVID. And, and that, that concerns me. It really does. Um, and I, I just wonder now what's going to happen. Obviously, we've all been through the whole kind of thing with Colin Kaepernick and those players that took knees and the teams and all of that. How much in this world are we going to see that whole situation play out all over again, all throughout 2020, when we're trying our damnedest to get ourselves away from COVID and an absolutely horrific situation and try and you know suspend our disbelief for a little bit and watch some sport. And, and that's what we all want to do. We all need a bit of sport. I mean, I've been that desperate. I've been listening to German football on the radio. It's bad so you know I've, I've 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 you know I want some sport back, but what I don't want is a highly politicized sports experience where every week, week in week out, we are talking about oh x amount of players kneeled this week, x amount of players didn't why didn't they why did they? what have they done as a by way of protest have they not come out of the locker room I don't want that, but I can't see how the 2020 season is not going to be divisive and, and politically split. So that's, they're my concerns, the, the spread of COVID and what is going to happen to the, the 2020 season as it, if it does start by any way sort of on time.
0: Yeah, and obviously we have got a few months for it to at least play out first before we say players sit back on the field anyway. So hopefully, um, like I say, what needs to be done is, is done, and you say hopefully at some point we can we can start to, to move on and put things, Hopefully, things are in place where you know if these things aren't aren't as much as an issue uh, as they perhaps are at the moment. But I w- one thing I will say is, considering what's gone on in 2020 so far, we have obviously the uh, the movement at the moment, coronavirus politics, I, I really don't know what's happened to 2020. To be quite honest, I want to get the clock and put it forward eight months. Um, um, and just get get it all over and done with so um that that's the uh, that's the, the the what should i say that's the we're not here to obviously talk about too much that but i thought it'd be good just to to get kind of our thoughts out there and it's, it's good to talk about it. and like you say Lawrence with, with yourself obviously your personal experiences knowledge it's all about knowledge it's all about research do some reading on it you know the best thing we can do is learn and understand and be a bit more empathy a bit be a bit more empathetic towards towards everything and, and appreciate and again just treat everyone else like we should be treating ourselves so and um, that's enough that's enough for that for the podcast let's get on to the nFL side of things and say so we are talking about bounce back teams here for 2020. Uh, they had a disappointing 2019. And again, you can get in contact with us at Full10Yards on the Twitter for your teams that you think fit the bill if we don't uh, if we don't mention them. So um, what we will do is we'll talk about why potentially some teams underperformed in 2019, what they've done in the off-season and why we think they will bounce back next season. So we'll start off with the teams that picked in the top 10 of the NFL Draft in 2020. Uh, I will start us off. I will start with Arizona Cardinals. Uh, probably a bit more, almost of a bit of a cheat here because it, it didn't necessarily have uh, a bad or disappointing season uh, in 2019. You know they had a new head coach. They had a new quarterback coming in. Um, going five five ten one in uh, all told uh, end of 2019. But I think considering the potential, considering what they have got in, in front of them, they'll, they'll certainly be a better bounce back potentially to to the levels of. Um, you know making the playoffs and getting and making deep runs like they did with with Carson Palmer and um you know if if you I saw a good uh, an interesting stat yesterday uh, uh yesterday when I was prepping for the podcast if you look at the last two coaches that entered their second seasons with the Arizona Cardinals they made the the, the playoffs on both occasions uh Bruce Arians uh, losing to the wild in the wild card round to Carolina um and Ken Winslow Hunt losing to the the Steelers in the 2008 Super Bowl. They were both in the second seasons uh, as coaches of the Arizona Cardinals. So maybe... um... Maybe that trend could continue uh, in 2020. I'm not saying, obviously, they're going to get to the Super Bowl, but at least uh, they'll be making a Super Bowl push. And why would they do that? Well, you can certainly expect a second-season bump from Kyler Murray, a second-season bump from Cliff Kingsbury. And with all the new Arsenal in their weaponry, well, again, also the other weapons, it's entering their second year, like Andy Isabella uh, and Hakeem Butler and and the guys there. But, you know, they've had a really, really good off-season. They've had one of the steals in the draft, picking Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Was it number eight overall? Uh, one of the steals of the decade in terms of trades when it comes to New York Hopkins coming in uh, and bolstering that wide receiver core. Uh, and they've beefed up their own line as well a little bit, which has kind of been their Achilles heel for the last couple of years. They've re-signed DJ Humphreys, uh, Marcus Gilbert should be good. He obviously tore his ACL just before last season started. Uh, and then another steal, j- taking Josh Jones in the third round of the uh, NFL draft when you know, people are having him going as a first and second rounder uh, is yet, yet another good bit of business. I mean, yes, they're in a tough division. They've got the Seattle Seahawks. We've got the San Francisco 49ers who obviously were in the Super Bowl in 2019. Uh, and they've got the Los Angeles Rams as well and you know, every team in that division plays each other tough but considering the tools they've got and I think Cliff Kingsbury will be a bit very creative next season uh, with all the weapons that he now has at his disposal I think you can expect to see uh, well I certainly expect to see the Arizona Cardinals making the playoffs in, in 2020 and considering they were a five win team last year that I think that certainly um, puts them forward as a, as a bounce back in 2020 that is the Arizona Cardinals Uh, Lawrence we will move over to you and we will go uh, who have you gone for as your bounce back candidate
2: um well in the top that drafted in the top 10 that would be the Miami Dolphins um that drafted early um absolutely strange season for for Dolphins fans you kind of went into that season thinking oh are they going to do a are they going to do a Tampa Bay? Are they going to do a Detroit? Are they going to go 0 and sixteen and become one of these legendary, you know, teams that goes through an entire season without a win? And you know, you had the the Miami faithful buying their tank for tour T-shirts and 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 kind of going around going, we we don't care about the 2019 season. We just we we're waiting for tour and that's it. And we we don't really mind what happens. And then you saw the absolute um, carnage of what happens to the Miami Dolphins roster, not only before the season started, but even during the season in terms of getting rid of players. Um, you had Ryan Tannehill go, even though he obviously had a, he, he was injured the, the season before, but he went Cameron Wake, veteran defensive end, Kenyon Drake, Danny Amendola, Frank Gore, you know, big names, some of them older. Um, and then lots of smaller roster moves as well. Um, the only real bright side at the time of kind of, you know, jettisoning all these players away was getting a load of draft picks. So they, they were kind of gobbling them up like Pac Man on a, on a load of speed balls, kind of just going, yeah, yeah, we'll have, we'll have your first round pick, we'll have your second round pick, all good. Um, and then it all went sort of slightly wrong when um, Fitzmagic went nah, nah, I don't fancy tanking with this team. I'm actually going to try and win a few games. And, and lo and behold, he did an outstanding job. Starting off with a, a win against the Jets, threw three touchdown passes in, in the Dolphins' first win of the season, which obviously got everyone talking. And a bizarre little fact, I don't know if you remember this or not, those three touchdown passes that Fitzmagic threw in that game, in that first win of the season, were all in the second quarter. So, they, they managed to hold on. It was the defence that actually held on and won the game, not Fitzmagic. So, interesting little fact there. Um, and then, if you remember, a little quiz question for you. You know I love to pose a little quiz question. What happened in Week 17 for the Miami Dolphins 2019 season? They beat the Patriots. That's it. Absolutely spot on. They beat the New England Patriots and knocked them out of the top seed um, and made them play a wild card game. So was it, um, Tom Brady's was it Mike, Mike final home game. Tom Brady's final home game as a New England Patriot was a loss to Ryan Fitzmagic's five and eleven Miami Dolphins. So, you know, bit of legacy there. And that, that winning touchdown from um, caught by Mike Kosicki, the tight end, sealed it at the end. So absolutely amazing. Um, I kind of, I kind of would have loved to have been there just to see Bill Belichick's face at the end of that when he's he's gone. Mm. Right, we we've, we've absolutely screwed it to a team that was provisionally trying to tank their season.
0: Right. I, I vaguely so, remember. Um, was it was that? Did we play? Um, did we play some commentary from Kevin Harlan, Sean? I vaguely remember him. You put in some some audio in a podcast we did we did about that, and it's Kevin Harlan, I think, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, the goat, Kevin Holden. Yeah, the absolutely, man.
0: The goat. Yeah, go on, Lawrence. Continue.
2: So I was gonna say, in terms of what they've then done in the off season, it's pretty ginormous. They've obviously it's it's kind of like they've it's it's kind of like they're uh, an expansion team that they've kind of they they've picked up superstars and, and Tim, you need to block your ears because obviously the biggest player they picked up was, was cornerback Byron Jones, and they managed to sign into the highest contract ever for a cornerback. And interestingly, the second highest paid cornerback in the NFL is the Dolphins' other cornerback, um, Xavier Howard. So you've got $159 million invested in those two starting cornerbacks over the next five seasons. Will they last five seasons each? I very much doubt it. But I do, I, I kind of have a dream of them leading the Dolphins to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's so important in the in the 21st century NFL to have quality shutdown corners. Um, and whilst people like um, Byron Jones don't get the gaudy interceptions, they don't end the season with eight interceptions and run it back for 250 yards, but they are locked. Down corners, and I, and I absolutely respect the move there. They they also invested heavily in free agency on the on the defensive line and linebackers, grabbing Emmanuel Ogbar, Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots, and also Shaq Lawson as well. This was a defense that in 2019 averaged less than one and a half sacks a game, so they needed pass rush, and I think they've got some. I wouldn't say it's completely resolved but they, they have definitely improved themselves. They've also added some um, depth at running back, adding um, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Little facts about Jordan Howard. In the last three NFL seasons, he's actually third overall in terms of rushing production for the last three seasons combined. So you think of Jordan Howard and you think, oh, take him or leave him, but he is very, very productive. So that was the free agency. then. They went and drafted, and they had about 200 draft picks so they couldn't really go wrong and despite all of the discussions of like oh are they going to trade up are they going to trade off are they... what's going on they just sat there patiently and I bet I bet there was they were sweating cobs as they were doing it and they just waited and then right there at pick five bang we'll have a bit of tour please and drafted their franchise quarterback despite winning five games the previous season. So congratulations, Miami Dolphins fans, for getting the quarterback that you wanted. Yes, slightly damaged goods. He did have an injury, and he is coming back from an injury. But, you know, fantastic that they didn't kind of waste other draft picks trying to get him or manoeuvre around. And then they obviously did the sensible thing, drafted an offensive tackle next at pick 18. Austin Jackson, who's hopefully going to be protecting... Two as blind side for the next decade, and then the pick that i didn 't very much like was their third first round pick, which was noah and i oh, pardon me for pronouncing this Ig keny i 've just murdered that by the way <laughs> um, but why would you draft a cornerback in the first round when you 've got the two most expensive cornerbacks already on your team? Not quite sure depth great. But I think they could have gone elsewhere at pick 30. Um, And then the Dolphins made eight more picks, including a player that you could say looks like (laughs) seaman. Seventh round wide receiver, Malcolm Perry, from the Naval Academy.
0: (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. Um,
2: in, in (laughs) In terms of why I think they're going to bounce back, I think head coach Brian Flores... He's patient, he's, he's being patient. He's been allowed to take the reins of the team. He's been allowed to strip them down and start them all over again. And I think that's great. So hopefully the Dolphins ownership, keeps some patience and allow him to develop that team over the next three, four, five seasons. I really hope so, because it's no use kind of keep dipping in and out of head coaches, it doesn't work. You've got to give him some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've personally been over to see the Dolphins about three times. And, and so I've got a little soft spot for the Dolphins. Um, and I think they could, if they continue to draft and continue to, to make savvy moves, they could be a Super Bowl contender in the next three to four seasons, genuinely. Mm-hmm. I think 2020, the, if they get to eight and eight, I think that's a good result. I think they're improving. Um, and Tua. He could arguably become the Offensive Rookie of the Year. You never know. If Fitzmagic kind of, you know, has a few bad games early in the field earlier than, than maybe, you know, the, the latter half of the season. Um, last time that the Dolphins had an Offensive Rookie of the Year, any guesses? It was the, it, the year was 1987.
0: That puts me out of questioning
2: because I was two. <laughs> Go on, yeah, you out of your misery. It was a guy, it was a running back called Troy Stradford, who, aside from a rookie campaign, had absolutely nothing to talk about for the rest of his career. So that was his only real honour in, in his entire NFL career. A um, couple of, um, well, maybe, yeah, two players that I just haven't mentioned that I just want to give a little shout out to um, undrafted free agent um, from last season, wide receiver Preston Williams who was doing very well as a, as a rookie on a, on a pretty poor team um, before suffering an ACL in week nine. And I really love the linebacker, Jerome Baker, who's coming into his third year. Outside linebacker, but an absolute tackling machine. Yep. So lots, lots and lots to look forward to um, if you're a Dolphins fan in 2020.
0: Mm. Yeah, Lawrence, here's, well, there is a question for you. If you've been firing out the questions for the last couple of minutes, look at how many how many times have the Dolphins been into in the playoffs since the year two thousand? Uh,
2: not many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go with with three. Yeah, four.
0: Only once in the last 12 years. Uh, obviously, most recently in 2016, when they lost in the uh, wild card round. Uh, and obviously, by the way, the time before that was the famous was it the famous was that famous butt fumble. When was the famous butt fumble? Yeah, that was Sanchez, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, yeah, they've not they've not been in the they've not frequented the playoffs very very uh, often over the last decade. Just once, obviously, in the last 10 years. But uh, yeah, do- things are definitely looking up for the Dolphins. Who else is uh, the arrow pointed up for? Sean, with your team, with uh, scheduled for a bounce back year.
1: Yeah, it feels like I'm cheating with this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go for the Cincinnati Bengals. You can only bounce back when you're drafting number one overall. But, uh, <laughs> Winner. I've got. To, I've got to say, I've, I've been impressed with pretty much every move that they've made during the off season. Um, you know, if you trace it back to free agency, um, you know Adam will tell you the Bengals notoriously don't splash much cash, um, but they obviously went shopping like it was Christmas this year um, and added plenty of talent to the roster. Uh, the biggest problem that the Bengals seemingly had last year was well, I mean, apart from injuries on the offensive side of the ball, it was obviously defensively. Um, you know, couldn't stop the run at all. Gave up, uh, you know, two thousand three hundred eighty-two yards on the ground, uh, which was a league high. Not surprising with that kind of figure. Um, so, what did they do to address that? They brought in DJ Reader, who you know was arguably the best defensive tackle. On the market from a free agency perspective, you know, he's excellent against the run. Does get a little bit of interior pass rush as well, Um, you know. But certainly, you know, he's going to eat up space. You know, that gives him a good combination on the inside of the defence. So, you know, I was impressed with that move. Overhauled the cornerback room, Trey Waynes was brought in. uh, Mackenzie Alexander as well, coming across from the Vikings um, you know, that cornerback room seems to have been Drake uh, Patrick, for God knows how long, you know, probably needed a little bit of freshening up. Um and I also thought the addition of Von Bell at safety was another excellent pickup. Um, you know, I thought Von Bell played particularly well um, you know, the last few years for the Saints. So, you know, again another excellent pick up there. Um and then of course on the offensive side of the ball, you know, it was all all pointing towards Joe Burrow, wasn't it, from the moment they were secured as the number one pick. And obviously that's the way they ultimately went. You know, there wasn't really ever that much talk about it being any sort of a different selection and understandable really with the season that Burrow just put up from a college perspective. But I think the Bengals should be encouraged by a couple of things. Firstly, you know, AJ Green coming back, hopefully fit and healthy. Obviously, obviously, was scheduled to come back at different points of last season and it never quite happened. So, you know, we'll wait and see what actually happens when he actually gets on the field. But obviously, AJ Green is going to be an improvement to this offence. They obviously picked up um, T Higgins in the second round of the draft. You know, he had a first round grade in an awful lot of places. I think the Bengals were delighted when he was available to them. Uh, You know, so he will come in and he will be in that sort of three receiver rotation alongside Green and Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, so that's a, a nice trio on the outside. Joe Mixon probably had as good a second half of the season as any running back in the league last year. You know, I think the offensive line got better, certainly from a run blocking perspective. Still a little bit questionable from a pass blocking perspective. Um, you know, but again, they've made some moves on the interior, in particular, of the offensive line. Um, so I think overall, like I say, I know it's a little bit cheating because you know, essentially, the only way. He's up obviously from the number one overall pick, but you know, the Bengals were quite competitive in a number of games last year as well. Yes, they finished 2 and 14, you know, but there were plenty of occasions that they were in the league going into the fourth quarter or, you know, even, you know, coming down the stretch, they were in plenty of contests. They had that four or five week experiment to see what Ryan Finley had, and that was, you know, essentially looking back a wasted four or five weeks. I mean, ultimately, I suppose you could say it led to them securing the number one pick, so maybe it was worth it in the end. Um, but obviously, you know, it wasn't a productive stretch of the season. But when Andy Dalton was there, he is what he is, isn't he? You know, he, he was steady and he was consistent. Um, you know, I do think that, um, you know, he will actually, you know, be a very, very good backup in, in Dallas for what it's worth, you know, potentially. I think, you know, I don't think any team would be scared to start Andy Dalton. You know, I think he's he's obviously got the pedigree, you know, he he has taken teams to the playoffs and now the question is always can he get over that hump Um, and obviously that's why the Bengals have gone in a different direction but I think another year under, you know, Zach Taylor will also be a bonus. Jonah Williams, their first round draft pick from last year, will obviously actually, fingers crossed, see the field this year. He obviously never took a snap last year so hopefully that's an improvement in terms of the blindside protection that Borough will be afforded. Um, You know, and ultimately They'll probably go as far as what Burrow can take him in mean, the first year. They're another one of the teams that, you know, obviously with the rookie signal call, probably desperate to get the players in, get them into a training camp environment, get the playbook actually being taught out on the field as opposed to just reading it from the textbooks. It's obviously going to be totally different in a live environment. Um, you know, but I would expect that the, the Bengals, you know, will fancy their chances of bouncing right back. I think you know the Ravens, I think, will probably regress a little bit from where they were. Um, you know, They're still definitely division favourites. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think they're going to necessarily run 14, 15 games like they did last year. Um, I think the Steelers, to be honest, I think the Steelers are in a little bit of bother, if I'm being completely honest. And I can see the Steelers... Ending up being probably a top five draft pick next year, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and we'll see what the Browns do. You know, all the reasons of optimism with the Browns were there before. I won't talk too much because I'll probably talk about them shortly. Um, you know, so <laughs> it's a tough, div- tough division. Um, you know, but I think the, you know, I think the Bengals are certainly trending in the right direction.
0: Pittsburgh, top five. That, I don't know how spicy that is. They'd have a Joe Frazier yesterday. I wonder if it's fits Joe Frazier in the Curry scale. Um, yeah. but Anyway, yeah. Cincinnati, obviously. Yeah, if you are picking number one, uh, as Yaz said back in what in back in the eighties, the only way is up. <laughs> Let's, what's what's that face for, Lawrence? Is that terrible? Is it?
2: Oh, a Yaz reference. Good. Yaz may. reference. Nineteen
0: eighty-eight. I'll just search it on Google. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. We'll put a, we'll put a poll out actually because I thought it'd be it'd be quite good to see which of the three teams we've said there Arizona, Cincinnati, and Miami uh, end up with the best record in twenty twenty. That might be a good one. And obviously we'll we'll put a poll out as well. Top Pittsburgh, top five pick next season. That we, uh that might get a little bit of a reaction. But let's move on to teams that just generally had disappointing seasons. And I, I think we'll probably get a few homer picks here. So I'll start. I'll start off. I'll start off first. Obviously, I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, I did think about going for Denver, but I think considering um, the, the tumult that they've had in that, that franchise, especially the quarterback position for the last couple of years, I don't really necessarily think it was a particularly down year. And so I don't really think Denver kind of ticked all the boxes to, um, to say that they underperformed in 2020. So, yeah, obviously going with Dallas. Um, Dallas definitely did have a disappointing year last year, considering that they were what first in terms of total yards and offense, third in total number of first downs, they were fourth in percentage of drives ended in a score. Um, when when push came to shove against the good teams, the the, co- the coaching and the play calling stood out like an absolute sore thumb, uh, and that is the main reason why you, you'll see uh, you will see Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. 2020 uh, added obviously the weapons on offense uh, CD lamb to go with uh, with Michael Gallup who he's going to be a star that boy um, and obviously a Mario Cooper as well. Yes, they've got the back stuff. Don't you? There was a yawning. Yawning. We we're one of the best teams in the NFL next season. Um, yeah, obviously, um, Adam C. D. Lambs for the offence. Um, Zeke's all, all tied up now. Yes, we've got some Dak, Dak Prescott issues, but I think it will be resolved by, by the time July 15th comes around. And there's an article coming soon on the website for that. So keep your eyes peeled on the Dak Prescott saga. Um, We've had a bit of beef to the defensive line, especially at defensive tackle, Dontari Poe and Gerald McCoy, some good veterans there to help put Neville Gallimore, the uh, draft pick from, from 2020, to to get up to speed and get the game running for him to take over maybe in 2021. Um, and I think, again, all the things that we've been doing in the off-season have been uncharacteristically um quite shrewd. Uh I mean, hopefully Jerry Jones can can draw from his boat every year. because uh, the value they got uh, in the first round and second round with Tri- Triv Travon Diggs as well, um not to be sniffed at whatsoever. Um yes, yeah, so, I like you said Lawrence uh, Dolphins now have Byron Jones and we were never gonna pay never gonna pay that contract for him. So I'm not too bitter that he that he's left he, yeah he deserves it and unfortunately the Dallas Cowboys were never going to pay it. But um yeah we are we are unproven at cornerback now with Trevon Diggs and so of, of of no names really, um, but the way that Mike Nolan's going to set up his defense, I don't think think it's going to matter too much to be to be quite honest. But um... Sean, sure, obviously you mentioned mini camps and COVID disrupting the you know the off season plans for teams. One thing that Dallas kind of have in their favour, with, even with a new head coach, is that they're keeping the the verbiage um, and the terminology of the playbook to to what it was last season under Kellen Moore. They've kept Kellen Moore, so I don't think the transition uh, is going to be as difficult as perhaps what it could be. You um, say it's just going to be the way that the the, maybe the formations or the way that the you know the, the motions uh, are, are going to be handled, but generally everything's kind of staying the same. So there's not really too much new for for Dak to learn uh, and all the rest of the offense to learn. So hopefully it doesn't you know, there's not as much of a bumpy road as it as it could be. Um, you know Dallas are in, a, in a NFC East, which is notoriously uh, not very difficult at the moment. You know New York and, and your team, Lawrence Washington, still trying to sort out their dirty laundry. I don't think uh, New York chance too far away. I think they're starting to get things uh, going a little bit. Maybe another couple of years away, but um, yeah, it's. A Eventually it's a shootout between the Eagles and the Cowboys and especially now with another playoff berth, obviously seven teams can now go to the playoffs uh, going forward. Again, that's another shot that the Cowboys have to even get there and then it's anybody's game. But hopefully the change at the coaching position, changing from Inex uh, inept Jason Garrett, who incidentally went to, to the Giants, so uh, yeah, God bless him, um, to changing to Mike McCarthy, who's a proven winner, who's done it all before, has a winning playoff record. Um, I think to quantify what is considered a bounce back, it has to be a, a championship game. Something they've, they've not appeared in since 1995. I uh, Could really put that to you Lawrence, see if you could uh, re- recall the year. But um, yeah, to, to, for Dallas, a team like Dallas not to be <laughs> not to be in the in the conference championships since 1995 is is, is quite something. I think um, to be considered a bounce back year this year it has to be has to be a conference championship game. Considering the talent they've got uh, on 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 that team, so uh, they're they're my Homer pick to bounce back in twenty twenty, uh, Lawrence. Uh, I'm hoping that you haven't gone Washington for your bounce back team. Otherwise, it, might, it could well be three Homer picks for for this segment. But uh, who who have you gone for? I, uh,
2: I'm a realist. <laughs> the Redskins, <laughs> they are not there yet. I'm 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 at a stage with the Redskins that I have little faith in Dwayne Haskins, and I'm just hoping that a miracle happens and somehow. Alex Smith gets to suit back up and, and we get the kind of the end of Alex Smith's career because Dwayne Haskins does not light my fire. Now that's a real musical reference. That's the doors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's to, uh, to take, well, well, take that take my fire.
2: Oh dear. All this contemporary music. No thanks. Um, so exactly. I've that's picked incredible. the Indianapolis Colts and We all know what happened with the Indianapolis Colts last season. It was the week before September, and their seventh franchise quarterback, and man, they've invested all their money in. Said, I've had it, I'm retiring, I'm out, I'm Audi. And there it was, Andrew Luck retired on the spot. I think it was the the last within the last five days of August. So thankfully the Colts had a fantastic backup arguably the best backup in in the NFL I did an article I think I remember before the season last season and I think I had Jacoby Brissett second or third and if you remember who did I have as my top backup quarterback Ryan Tannehill yep Ryan Tannehill what happened to Ryan Tannehill Ended up the 2019 season as the highest rated quarterback in the entire league. So there we go. Make sure you listen to the full 10 yards to get the knowledge. So we've, we've had the Colts who somehow managed to get to seven and nine for the, for the season. Third in the division. What was frustrating is that the Colts started off pretty well. They, they seemed to kind of not skip a beat. They started off the season five and two. And their Week 5 game, if you can recall, was when they managed to go to Arrowhead and beat the, beat the Chiefs and hold them to 13 points, which was the lowest total of Patrick Mahomes' NFL career. So that Colts defence managed to prove a point. But it just didn't happen um, throughout the rest of the season. And in the last nine games. They lost seven of their last nine and the season ultimately ended um, unsatisfactory, to say the least. Um, and their their final game of the season, they got thwacked by the, the Jaguars, who are in a pretty bad place at the moment. So, not a nice way to end your season. So, um, Brissette, in, in the main, wasn't really asked to do too much. So, he wasn't asked to Run the same offense that Andrew Luck would of a 4,500, 5,000 yards um, kind of effort, and he ended up the season with just under 3,000 yards passing, 18 touchdowns. His number one receiver, Ty Hilton, he missed six games. He seems to be kind of on a, on a, on a sort of on a trajectory of not lasting too much longer. So it seems that he gets injured quite a lot nowadays. Um, and he had his worst output in um, seven years, only had 50 catches and only averaged 11, 11 yards a catch. The longest was 35. So he, he didn't have a very good season. And that, that played out with the, the win loss record. And beyond Hilton, the Colts receivers, as they stood in 2019, was not something that you will be doing in terms of picking up a single one for a fantasy team. So you had the. The Colts' running game, um, led by Marlon Mack, respectfully went over a thousand yards. Only 14 catches, so quite a one-dimensional player. Um, and even uh, the kind of the goat kicker of all time, Adam Vinatieri, he didn't even make it through the Colts' season. He he ended up going on injured reserve, and he missed more than one game for the first time in a decade. So. You know, it's a sad way for Adam Vinatieri to go on injured yes, reserve. First point afters last year. He didn't have a good season. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he 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 had a nightmare. Um, the defense, um, I think, all around for last season, the Colts' defense underperformed. You, the only unit that really stood out, and that I think they stood out in quite a good way, was the linebackers. So, Darius Leonard, um, second year. Second um, All-Pro, albeit second-team All-Pro, and Anthony Walker, who's another inside linebacker who is developing further, and even their third-round rookie pick at the time, um, Bobby Okereke, he he stood out as well. So I think the Colts have got a solid linebacking core, but that defensive line and that secondary was nothing really to write home about. So what have the Colts done to address their problems? Well they've made one ginormous move and that was grabbing Philip Rivers, the former San Diego and then Los Angeles Chargers quarterback, which is, it's, it's, it's basically saying that to Chargers fans, they put their eggs in one basket. They want to win now. They don't want to win in a couple of seasons. They haven't, you know, they did draft a rookie quarterback, but then they're, they're not having any intentions of starting him. This is Philip Rivers' team for the for the immediate future, they also added some monster names on the on the defensive line: DeForest Buckner and Sheldon Day, both from the 49ers, who reached the Super Bowl. So they have got that winning mentality that they're bringing to the Colts. Role players like um, Xavier Rhodes, the cornerback who had a who had a bit of a dip of a season with the Vikings last year. Hopefully, improved himself in 2020. Roosevelt Nixon the, the fullback from the Steelers. Now, I love a fullback. I don't know about you, you Sean and Tim, but I'm old school and I, I love a fullback. So I respect a big, chunky human being. And Roosevelt Nix is one of those big, chunky human beings. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him um, getting some blocking. Um, um, we also had Trey Burton um, come over tight end from the Bears as well. So quite a lot went on. But where they again nailed it. And I think this is where the Colts are arguably the best in the NFL at doing that. And that is drafting at the moment. Their front office, I think, is doing a spectacular job drafting. So they didn't have a first round pick, but in the second round, they managed to nab Jonathan Taylor, the running back at pick 41. And, you know, we we, we, we know from, you know, if you look on the full 10 yard website and look at the article that Rob's done about potential franchise future players. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor features high up there. So, well, well worth a read. Um, and also the Colts, they grabbed um, Michael Pittman Jr. So, I remember Michael Pittman Sr. I'm that old. I remember Michael Pittman's dad. <laughs> I remember him playing in a Super Bowl for the, the Buccaneers and winning a Super Bowl for the Buccaneers. That proves how old I am. And here's, you know, I like to go, go down dark wormholes. Here's the dark wormhole of this podcast. Michael Pittman Sr. played for the Florida Huskers after he left the NFL. Played for the Florida Huskers of the UFL. And he was coached by none other than my best friend, Jay Gruden. How about that? Um, so there we go. That was your random fact for the day. So, why are the Colts going to bounce back? I mean, I think they've got a lot of solid pieces already. Um, You've got Quinton Nelson, the um, all-pro guard, who's going into his third season. He's absolutely unbeatable um, on that offensive line. That young core of linebackers, you've got second-year cornerback, Rock Yassin. Just an an incredible name, Sean. Rock Yassin. (laughs) Um, um, So, you know, he could only be made better if he was like... Rock, are, the Amadeus, but, you know, Rock you see sin. We, we can live with that's it that's it um, I think I mean even like their, their six round picks that they've drafted this year um, Desmond Patman could make some sort of impact this season because of that lack of depth on the on the Colts um, kind of receiving depth chart so you've got Philip Rivers leading your team this is the guy who is ranked sixth in all time passing yards in NFL history and you know I like to track these things with a pretty average season Philip Rivers will end up the 2020 season as the third most passing yards in NFL history he will supersede Damarino, Brett Favre and Peyton Manning pretty much by week
1: 12 so how about that for a little statoid for you well, oh, there's a future pod, mate, because he's your Hall of Famer. That's a future pod, though. Let's not go yeah. down there tonight. I was, was so, going to say, there's
0: quite a lot of conversation yeah, on whether or not yeah. he deserves to go in the Hall of Cracking blue. That's always, a, that's always an interesting conversation. We can talk about that, because obviously he's always compared to, was it, um, is it Eli Manning that he's always compared to? Yeah, I don't know. That's, a, that's one later one down the road. Um, Eli, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, plenty of plenty of topics in the off season to to get our teeth into that. Maybe when we, maybe we'll do that when we cover the quarterbacks. Um, Sean, round us off then, mate. We're short. Sure you're third team. We we going for a, a three Homer pick?
1: Yeah, of course. Why not? Let's do it Homer pick. Um, I'll keep it short, mate, because everybody will switch off. Because I've been saying this for twenty one years now that the Browns are bouncing back and this is finally going to be the year. <laughs> um, maybe maybe it will be. Who knows? Um, but all joking aside, all the reasons for optimism from 12 months ago pretty much still exist. If anything, there's probably just a few more reasons now. Um, you know, so much hype last offseason. Um, obviously, you add into the mix now um, Austin Hooper at tight end. You know, who you know personally, I'm really, really thrilled about. I know a lot of Browns fans are high on David Najoku, but he's never really done it for me. If I'm being honest, um, so really excited to see Hooper. I think more importantly. Any Brains fan will tell you, most of last season, it seemed as though Baker Mayfield spent running for his life. Um, And the fact that we've upgraded both of the tackle positions um, with Jack Conklin, obviously the big free agent, signing to play right tackle. um, And then to get Jedrick Wills in the draft at 10, um, you know, who, who we've... If Joe Thomas says he's the best tackle in the draft, I'm not going to argue with Joe Thomas and any draft expert can tell me otherwise I will trust 73. Um, if Joe Thomas is happy, I'm happy. Um, you know, So obviously that's the left side taken care of. So offensively, you know, everything is there, isn't it? You know, you've got the you know, you've still got Beckham and Landry, you've got, you know, arguably one of the premier tight ends, you've got a good offensive line, you know, the interior was pretty good last year. Now you've got the book ends at tackle. Obviously offensively the question will be, you know, do we get the rookie version of Baker Mayfield or do we get the sophomore version of Baker Mayfield? And we will wait and see. Uh defensively Obviously Miles Garrett reinstated. Um I think it was always going to happen, wasn't it? But obviously he's massive. You know, he was leading the NFL in terms of his pass rush, um, you know, percentage of snaps. You know, he was leading the NFL. He got 10 sacks at the point of his um suspension coming down, but you know, he's just so disruptive on pretty much every single play. Um, you know, so he will obviously be back. Um, you know, they've obviously um, you know, addressed other positions, you know, Carl Joseph coming in at safety, you know, I don't know too much about him if I'm being honest, but, you know, we've heard good things from Raiders fans that I've spoken to in terms of the attitude and everything that he brings. Um, yeah, the main, you know, thing really is, let's be honest, Yeah, we can't get any worse in terms of the coaching department than what last year turned out to be. Um, there was obviously an awful lot of optimism with Freddie Kitchens getting the job last year after the job he'd... Allegedly done with Baker Mayfield in the six or seven games that he was the offensive coordinator the year before, but it just didn't work. Um, you know, you obviously hear then lots of rumblings of discontent coming out afterwards, which is always the case. So, always take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But the, there was obviously stuff going on there that was wrong. Um, it certainly didn't transpire in terms of you know effective performances out on the field. Looked like several games that the team had quit, uh, you know, so. Hopefully, you know, again, rookie head coaching, Kevin Stefanski, I've been impressed with everything I've seen, the way he conducts himself. He's obviously got an excellent reputation. He's built a good coaching staff in and around him also. Um, you know, Joe Woods has come in as defensive coordinator. He, he's, he's excellent. He's a bit of a breath of fresh air. He was with the 49ers last year, um, you know, and obviously that defence got plenty of praise for the work that that did. Um, so, like I said, I think there are reasons for optimism. You know, I'll repeat what I said before. You know, and I will happily go on record. I don't think Pittsburgh are a very good side. You know, whether Ben Roethlisberger can still throw a football or not, we'll wait and see. But they better hope that he can, because Mason Rudolph certainly can. Um, you know, James Conner at running back. Yeah, he had a good first season. I've not been convinced with anything since. Juju's not a number one receiver, and that's all they've really got from a wide receivers perspective. You know, I don't think the draft was particularly good. I know James in our group. You know, Steelers fan, he wasn't happy during the three days of the draft. Um, you know, they're obviously still going to be there or thereabouts. They're the Steelers, ultimately, and I'm sure Mike Tomlin will coach him up and he'll get a good tune out of them. But you know, I still find it a little bit surprising um, to see them sort of quite so respected as what they are, and yeah, I'm obviously going to have that view as a, obviously a rival fan, um, you know, but ultimately I do think they're, they're absolutely ripe for the taking, and I do think, you know, I'm not going to get into the Lamar Jackson debate with Lawrence, but uh, I do think he's likely to regress this year in terms of, you know, teams will have had a lot more time to study on him, you know, and ultimately you've only got to look at the statistics from last year. The more often you can get him thrown in, the more often Baltimore are finding themselves either in tight games or games that ultimately they don't end up winning. Um, that was the recipe for the Titans to beat them in the playoffs. That was the recipe throughout the season. The more often you ask him to throw, the more vulnerable ultimately the Ravens are. Absolutely still the favourites, not disputing that. He's obviously the reigning MVP and all of that. I get that. Um, you know, But I do think they are likely to probably regress it a little bit from where they were. Um, so similar to what I said with Cincinnati it's a division that is is wide open in that regard Um, and to be fair mate in all seriousness when we said teams outside the top 10 you look elsewhere in the league you know there's not really that many other teams that really jumped off the page if I'm being honest so I've kind of cheated because the Browns obviously did pick 10 so I've technically had two in the top 10 Um, but the other candidates really didn't really float my boat if I'm being honest I always thought similar to you with Denver but I didn't think seven and nine was a bad season last year from you know, again, a, you know, a new head coach, um, exactly. Plenty of young players. I think the, you know, I think the Broncos will be good this year. Um, you know, I think there's a number of teams that were sort of in and around the sort of seven to eight win area that uh, that would probably have been viewed last year as reasonable. Um, so, at the uh, at the lack of any other candidates, I went Homer and I went with the Browns. Mate. And like I say, I've been saying it for twenty odd years. Eventually, I'll get it right, mate. So maybe this is the year.
0: Lawrence, if you, you, Lawrence stick, uh, get the fire brigade on the phone because he's, he's lighting fires all over the place, Sean, yeah, he's lit, lit one in Baltimore, lit one in Pittsburgh, fires all over the place. <laughs> we'll put those up obviously on the um...
2: I got I've got a couple of little tiny things um, for Sean. Number one, and we haven't done one this off-season, but I'm, I want to bring back the um, the section on our website, the jury's out. So, I want the juries out to be done about Lamar Jackson either regressing or not regressing. So I'm happy for you to state your argument. I can state my argument and then we can put it out to a public vote. How about that? Keep it fair. Sounds yeah, good, mate. I'm up for that. And then I've just got one little, one little player for the Steelers. You said about the Steelers' draft and their lack of depth at wide receiver. I have a sneaky feeling, and I'm putting it out here now in June, Chase Claypool, watch out for Chase Claypool. There you go.
0: it's all happening in the AFC North, folks. All happening in the AFC North. So we'll put some polls up and let's say. I look forward to that uh, that jury's out, jury's out article that's uh, coming between you two and Lamar Jackson. Uh, talking of articles, time to do a plug and time to get out of here. Talking of NFL articles, uh, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, lovely tribute by Lawrence to the great late John Schultz. So go and check that out. And Sean Tyler as well did a really nice piece on that players that uh, played in the NFL and then went on to transition uh, to other sports, including Herschel Walker, Marquise Goodwin, uh, and some of those guys there as well. So go and check those out. Someone did, uh, someone Bobslade. Yeah, I didn't know that someone did the NFL and um, Bobslade. So go and check out who that was over on the website, full 10 yards. Um, some other stuff that we have got going on, like Lawrence mentioned, uh, RB rookie classes and generational draft talents in the draft. Go and check that out. Uh, we've got comeback players. We've got Tom Brady and the Bruce Arians offense. What does that What does that look like? We've got an article on that as well from Alex. Loads of articles going up over the next couple of days and weeks to make sure that the off season goes off that little bit quicker. Podcast wise, we will start to be ramping up the podcast. Now we have a little hiatus, like I mentioned. Fantasy Pod should be up as well. Uh, I think that was up put up yesterday. Uh, by David, i uh, very much enjoyed getting back uh, behind the mic for that. And reminder that at Big Willie Thirteen that you did win the prize from that podcast. So make sure you get in, slide into our DMs. Um, <laughs> That's probably a bit of a faux pas, but never mind. Um, yeah, get, get contact us on contact us on Twitter to, to claim that prize and just sort you out there uh, with the fantasy playbook from our friends over at Five Yard Rush. We'll be getting Murph on the Fantasy podcast soon as well to talk about what that is all about and some Brit ball pods coming your way very shortly, indeed. Round it off by saying you can get 10% off. Um, I wouldn't say everything at full at, uh, NFL Shop Europe because they've been a bit funny with jerseys at the moment, but there's a uh, you get 10% off some things, uh, everything but jerseys. Uh, the discount will. Uh, return to judges at some point I am told so keep your eyes peeled for that but that I think gents rounds us off very nicely uh, from our return to the NFL podcast I enjoyed it, I hope you boys uh, did as well, again you can get in contact with us at Full10Yards uh, is the Twitter handle, you can get at NFLFanInEngland uh, for Lawrence and sh- at Sean, oh where's the underscore at, sh- sh- at Sean underscore F10Y I can never remember so if you got Yeah, got it. That's the one? That's the one? That's it. I can't remember if you have an underscore. It's probably because I've got one. Anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, at Tim underscore monk f ten y. Don't forget as well, uh, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a few things going up on there, and we will be doing it during the season as well. So we're having to have a bit of fun uh, with that. So make sure you subscribe subscribed um, to get all the latest from that. But that's going to do it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do get your podcasts. Indeed, it's been very good to be back. We will speak to you very soon. Indeed, thanks to go to Sean and Lawrence. We will speak to you very soon. Indeed. In in the Meantime, it's goodbye from Sean.
1: Cheers, everyone. Catch you soon.
0: That's goodbye from Lawrence.
2: And I'm just going to go retro on the government here. Forget about staying alert. Everybody, stay safe.
0: Retro, indeed. good goodbye from me. Mate. Yeah, everyone, stay safe. Everyone, stay well. We'll speak to you very soon. Indeed, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye bye for now. A bye bye.